0: Hello, Hello, and thank thank you you for for listening listening to Subject to interpretation. Interpretation,
1: hosted by Augustine De La Mora. My name is Claudia, and my name is Kayla, and we are the producers of this program. Before we get into today's interview with special guest Robert Cruz, who is the Executive Director at the National Association of Judiciary Interpreters and Translators, also known as NAJID, we wanted to bring you the latest announcements from De La Mora Interpreter Training. If you found us on Facebook, we'd like to remind you that you may download us directly to your phone wherever podcasts are available. Now on to some more exciting news.
0: If you're a medical interpreter, be sure to check out our medical assignment prep course beginning November 1st. This course will help prepare you for medical assignments no matter what the subject may be. Learn research strategies and get hands-on practice in various topics and helpful terminology.
1: Also, Finding the Parallel Summit is being held here in Orlando, Florida, November 9th, 10th, and 11th. And great news, you can actually take advantage of our early bird registration price for one more week. Florida interpreters can earn their 16 CIE credits all in one weekend, so don't miss out on this rewarding educational opportunity. And for more information, please visit the links in the description. Stay tuned for next week's podcast featuring Natalia Ferreira,
0: who is the conference interpreter, recently elected as the new AIC USA
1: regional secretary. Yes. And last week, we asked you guys to send in your questions so we can answer them on air. And here are the three most frequently asked questions for you guys. So when will your next 40-hour medical and legal courses begin? Well, good news that will
0: begin next year, early January. So make sure to go on our website. Uh, those dates have already been published. Uh, but if you are needing an oral exam prep, we are offering a language neutral option this December. So if you're taking the test early January or you would like to prepare now, uh, make sure to sign up.
1: OK, and what is the best way to keep up with my continuing education credits? Well, the best way is to join our
0: Delamora membership. We offer monthly webinars. We also offer a CEU video library where you'll have a library of courses that can offer you continued education credits. <laughs> so join us today. Yes.
1: And does that membership include medical training options?
0: Unfortunately, not right now, but if you join our free membership, you will be updated the moment we do. We hope
1: to have medical options uh, early next year, so stay tuned. Exciting. Well, we appreciate you all for listening in. We do pride ourselves in being one of the very few podcasts for professional interpreters out there, so please share us with all of your colleagues. We would love to hear more of your feedback and questions, and we'll continue answering the frequently asked questions here on the podcast. So please feel free to contact our office, and you will most, most likely, likely speak, speak to, to one of, of us. <laughs> Until next week. Now enjoy the interview with
2: Robert. Goodbye. Bye. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to Subject to Interpretation, our podcast where uh, for the Lamora Interpreter Training, where we always have very interesting guests to share with you stories about interpretation, translation, and our. Business and community of interpreters. So today, uh, we're honored and very happy to have Rob Cruz with us. Rob Cruz is the executive director of NAGIT, the National Association of Traditional Interpreters and Translators, and I consider him a very good friend of mine. And uh, I had the pleasure to meet him when he was probably nine years old, and he started in this business <laughs> uh, very young, and uh, he was just starting in, uh, to get serious about court interpretation and. We met in Tennessee a long, long time ago. So I'll let him introduce yourself. So how are you doing, Rob?
3: I'm doing great, Augustine. Thanks for uh, sending out this invitation. I'm glad to be here.
2: Okay. So uh, tell us a little bit about how you ended up going to or getting into interpretation, Rob, because that's not that's not what you wanted to do when you were five years old, right? You probably wanted to be a fireman or something.
3: Uh, an astronaut, of course. Uh, 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 <laughs> But interestingly enough, though, when I do interpreter trainings, uh, one of the there's two the uh, one of the main questions that I get right away is people ask me when you know when did I first become an interpreter, and it's funny you say five years old because that's the answer that I always give, and that's because I grew up in uh, in Little Havana in Miami in the uh, early '70s, and it truly was Little Havana, and the t- none of the teachers in our school system actually spoke. Uh, Spanish and my mother did not speak English so my first interpreter assignment was the parent first parent teacher conference uh, which i think was uh, when I was in kindergarten and it's a very valuable lesson to any stakeholders out there listening that you never want the interpreter to have a uh, interest in the outcome of the interpretation because uh, the teacher told my mom that although I seem to be fairly intelligent I was Quite the class clown, mm-hmm. and so of course I told my mom in in my best Spanish that the teacher says that you should be very proud, <laughs> and uh, and as it's it hard. turns out, I, I I received an increase in my allowance, and the teacher <laughs> thought that she had gotten me in trouble. So, but in in all serious seriousness, though, um, I really have always uh, been in love with the law, but to be perfectly frank, uh, just not patient enough uh, or willing to do some of the things that need to be done to be an attorney. So I felt that uh, being involved in the law was something that was going to, uh, you know, not be in the cards for me. And it was by choice. And so I've had several iterations of careers. Uh, But at the time, I had uh, worked for many years for a marketing company. Uh, sales position. I was a sales trainer. And, and I had been able to have had the fortune of walking away from it and, and having uh, some time off for uh, a year. And, and I, I was bored. And so I decided to do something crazy and, and buy a, uh, an independent mom and pop grocery store. And it was wow. the craziest thing I've ever done. Um, and it did not uh, turn out very well. It was a very long one year, but I could not sell it uh, fast enough. But interestingly enough, uh, there was a judge that would come into the grocery store because it had a deli, kind of like a fresh market kind of thing. And so when I was closing the store, he he told me, he said, well, um, what are you going to do next? Uh, are you going to go back to being retired? And I said, no, I, I can't afford it. I lost my shirt with this grocery store. So I do have to find something to do. And he knew that I was bilingual. And as most monolingual people may think, you know, they think that that's enough, but he put me uh, put the uh, interpreter program in Tennessee uh, on the radar for me, which had started just three years before. And so I started to look into that and I, you know, immediately fell in love with, with the process and, and thought this might, you know, from the, everything that happens for a reason category, this might be what I've always wanted because it would allow me to uh, work in the judiciary without having to uh, have gone to law school and, and and done all of those things. So that's that's essentially how I got into it, and uh, I think that I attended one of your uh, prep workshops in uh, Nashville. <clears throat> excuse me, in Nashville. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
3: and uh, thanks to your uh, suggestion to record yourself as you are preparing for the exam, I realized exactly how awful I was and how much uh, work it really was going to take and make a long story short i i did pass uh the written test and you know in the first try and um i did pass the oral exam in the in the first try and i and i did uh receive a 92 in the simultaneous portion which at the time i'm not sure at this point but at the time it was the highest score in the history of the tennessee program which like i said was a nascent program at that time um so that that actually prompted the aoc in tennessee to invite me to a uh a TAPIT conference, which is where I learned about Nadget
2: mm-hmm. and
3: uh, to, to actually present on how I was able to pass the test. And based on recording my first session, as you suggested, I was seen, my, my presentation was entitled uh, From Atrocious to 92, uh, because wow. that's really where, you know, where I went. And so um, you really, you know, played an instrumental role in, in pointing me in the right direction, and a lot of hard work and you know, 14 years later, uh, here I am still interpreting in Tennessee yeah. and still involved with NADJIT.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, that's a very interesting story. I didn't know the whole story. I do remember you uh, being at my class because uh, I, I went to the next NADJIT and I can't remember where it was. And, and there you are, you know, and you are already being very active. I remember you being one of the people asking questions of the board at the time. So I was like, oh. I remember that kid. <laughs> he was in one of my classes in Tennessee. So, and now that you are a, an interpreter, and you are do you still interpret every now and then in court?
3: Actually, I interpret pretty much um, Monday through Thursday. I normally only I'm only able to interpret about a half a day because of my Nadget responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, I you know the, a lot of the day to day behind the scenes of Nadget is done by Susan, by, by my my spouse. Mm-hmm. And but of course, you know I do have a lot of responsibilities as the executive director. so I really don't have the ability to interpret uh, you know all day, every day uh, like I used to. But to be fair, in, in the area of Tennessee that I live, it's uh it you know it's not a high volume case load area for like you would be in a border town or something like that, and also because I've been doing it for about fourteen years i I have a good relationship with the courts and they are very flexible where you know constitutional issues aren't at, aren't at stake to uh, accommodate my schedule uh, and so i'm I'm fortunate i'm I'm able to interpret usually Monday through Thursday uh, at least uh, a couple hours sometimes four hours uh, a day. So I I, I really wouldn't want to give that up. And I don't think that I would have taken my new role if I would have had to fully give up in interpreting. I just love it too much.
2: Yeah, it's kind of addictive. And I I know what you're saying, because I remember I I fell into interpreting kind of the same way. And uh, because somebody thought, hey, you're a teacher, you should interpret. (laughs) <laughs> and I went to the courts, and a guy hired me because I worked for Belitz, and that was a good school. So there you go. You know, and then probably like you did the first time I went to a courtroom, I had very little idea of what to do. But here we are a few years later. For me, a lot more than 14. For me, it's more like 30. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. I Every time I can, I still catch uh, some assignments because it's really cool. And I, I tell people it was – so interesting for me because the first time I did a trial, I was amazed that they actually paid me to do it. It was <laughs> so interesting. I go like I'm a, I felt like a voyeur and yeah. getting paid for it. So it was really yes. cool. And here we are many years. So then you go to Nadit and first as a member and you climb the stairs and for a while you were actually a member of the board, right?
3: Yeah, actually I was on the board of directors of Naget for six years, which is the maximum before you are Uh, politely asked to leave by the bylaws Mm -hmm. Uh, and i was and i was the chair for the last three of those six which is also the longest that you can be the chair so i kind of felt like i maximized my my naget time on on the board and and volunteering Mm
2: -hmm. and i really admire that because i myself have never served on the board i've been invited but I, i i guess i'm a little uh Uh, uh, less uh, giving than you are because uh, you know I had never served but I know that it's a labor of love to be involved with NADJIT and I really keep on doing what I can from the outside uh, for the institution that I guess we both love and then how did you turn around and now you work for NADJIT again?
3: Well this is a very interesting thing it's it's very serendipitous Um, you know prior to being prior to and then also, at the same time that I was on the NADJIT board, for at least one year, I was on the, the, the TAPIT, the Tennessee Association's Board of Directors. Um, so I, I, I had experience being on nonprofit boards. I was also on the board of the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce of East Tennessee. I was on the board of directors uh, of the uh, Athens Arts Council in a small town in Tennessee. So I had quite a bit of experience with nonprofits from the volunteering point of view, mm-hmm. I also, as a, as, a, as a result, had a lot of experience with the folks that actually get paid to manage the nonprofits. And one of the things that I found was that you really are at a, uh, at a disadvantage as, as a volunteer on a board of directors when uh, there's so much more that can be done from the management perspective, because a lot of times the people that volunteer for these different types of boards are subject matter experts, they're experts in their industry or their profession or whatever that might be. But just like with interpreters, I find that they don't necessarily come to the profession uh, or to serve with a whole lot of you know business experience. And that's something that I had done for many, many years before I had my career semi-retirement, for lack of a better word, and then the grocery store and then going into interpreting, is I was doing uh, a lot of uh, work with chambers of commerce and with helping uh, individuals to uh, f- create their own business organize their business incorporate their own businesses i did a lot of motivational seminars and sales seminars and management seminars and effective communication and things of that nature and reading spreadsheets and reading balance sheets and so when i was on the last year of my nagit term as a as a director and as the chair uh, my wife and I sat down, and, and she was, you know, in corporate America. Her background was is in financial planning, and she'd been doing that for over twenty years. And so we felt that with m- with my collective experience in the volunteering world, also in the business world, and her business planning, event planning, uh, those types of things, taxes, um, it really seemed like we could have a very uh, good management company that would manage nonprofits. And so that is what we decided to do and mm-hmm. so towards the end of my term we actually began the process of incorporating our own business with the goal of over time building it up and over time you know getting enough contracts or or one major contract however that might turn out so that you know she could then leave the corporate world and just strictly work for our company. Mm-hmm. And uh as luck would have it, you can imagine it's, it's very common conversation when you're leaving uh, a board, when you've been around for six years. I felt like I had done, and I, I don't mean this in a bad way, I think everyone should do it, but I felt like I had done my share of volunteering. Yeah. And so I really didn't view myself going on to like the next organization to volunteer on that board. And so I told uh, the people that were on the board exactly what my plans were, and it never really – dawned on me it was never even in my mind a possibility that i would end up you know actually you know having the management company that managed nagit that was never my intention that was never even a plan um as as luck would have it the the board that would that, that succeeded the board that i was on mm-hmm. i don't, and i was not in touch with nagit at all at, at that point uh i went to the Atlanta conference, because it was relatively close to where, to where we, you know, we live, we can commute Mm -hmm. back and forth from, Mm -hmm. you know, to Atlanta. So we did that. And in talking to some of the board members, they, uh, you know, intimated that there might be some changes uh, with the management company uh, at NAGET And I was asked if, if Susan and I were still entertaining that possibility. And we said yes. And we started the process of incorporating and it was just a, few months after that, that we were approached and and asked, you know, would you be interested in, you know, in essence, submitting a bid to the board for how much, you know, you all would charge to do this for an agit. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's, in essence, how it, you know, how it came to be. And I think it's a unique situation because I don't know that you can always expect... An executive director to actually also be a subject matter expert for right. the, or- the organization that they're managing. Uh, I figured, I, I figured, you know, my my first contract, you know, might have been for a cosmetology association, <laughs> of, of which right, I right. wouldn't know the first thing. Um, but with here, it turned out well because I think that uh, we bring a little bit of added value uh, to the association because. Right we, you know, we. I feel very comfortable speaking on the issues when asked uh, by the board. And so I think the board gets a little bit extra bang, you know, for their buck and so does the association and we're happy to do it.
2: No question. And and I have told you in person and, and I will reiterate that uh, you guys have been a, a very good uh, team for NADGET. i I see how the cohesive efforts have paid off. I think the conference is are getting stronger and the next step is for all of us to join forces and just gr- grow nagit So now you and I know a lot about nagit I've been going to the conferences for over 20 years, but a lot of people might not know, and know a lot about NAGIT. So why don't you tell us a little bit, what, what is nagit first of all?
3: Well, as you said, the acronym uh, is it stands for the National Association of Judiciary Interpreters and Translators. Uh, it is um, I believe, probably the largest association of judiciary interpreters, uh, possibly uh, internationally. I know certainly in the United States, uh, NAJIT has over 1,100 members. One of the things that I always like to point out when I speak about NAJIT is that even though uh, the J is very prominent in our name, the judiciary, the reality is that many, many, many of our members are freelance interpreters, and many freelance interpreters don't, have the luxury, or sometimes the desire, to only interpret in one type of setting. Right. Uh, so many, many of our members interpret in the judiciary. They interpret in the medical field. They interpret in conferences. They do State Department work. Uh, so we we have uh, we boast quite a few members that that uh, work in many different fields besides the the judiciary. And I think that one of the things that NAJIT is uh, it is really important. As an association, one of the reasons it's so important is because it is so respected. Uh, it's respected mm-hmm. by the stakeholders. Uh, it's respected by the administrative office of the courts. Uh, it's respected by people that are writing about interpreting. It, it, so we have a lot of uh, information that we that we give uh, to practitioners. Uh, NADGET is is renowned for their position papers, which are always a great tool because one of the things that one of the reasons that I'm so adamant on the importance of a professional association is because it allows, number one, it gives credibility to the profession that we're talking about, but it also allows you to use that association to advocate for yourself and for the profession without it without making it seem as if self-serving. So when a judge says, I have an audio file here of a DUI stop, dashboard cam i'd like you to cite translated here uh you know in the courtroom on the spot when the interpreter says your honor i, I really can't do that it's, it's not considered a best practice it's really some of those things and it almost sounds like the interpreter is trying to be lazy so it makes it much more believable incredible if you can you know show the judge nadge's position paper on why it's not advisable to do an audio file on the spot and that it should be transcribed and translated. So it really empowers the the individual uh, and as a result, the profession by really giving you some of that, uh, I hate to say it, but almost like that backup that you need because interpreters tend to work very isolated. Right. And so anytime that you're advocating because this, this is the best thing to do, a lot of times people never see that. What they see is, oh, you're saying it's because you want more money or because right. you are too lazy or for all these different reasons. So really, it just it, naja gives you an a, an ability to to be able to advocate for yourself without having that stigma of why you're doing it. It also is probably the largest repository of institutional knowledge on on interpreting. uh, I would say uh, interpreting specifically because of some of our members. I mean, we have members that have literally written the book Mm -hmm. on judiciary interpreting and and other types of interpreting. We have uh, all different kinds of professors and we have people that are really the 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 ones that have laid the foundation for a lot of the interpreting uh, things. And so when I you talked about when I went to my first NAGIC conference, I, I was fortunate enough to have a, a mentor in Judith Canningston Christie and Christian. She, you know she walked me to the table and there was you know Peter Linquist and I'm just going to n- mention some names that some of the listeners may not know but these are luminaries in our profession you know Peter Linquist and you know uh, Janice Palma and and, and uh, Dr. Reinoff, uh, Holly Mickelson who like I said literally wrote the book and you know she introduced me to these folks and I was like wow you know I mean I was kind of like you know just awestruck in the yeah. sense that I could pick these people's brains and that they were willing to share information with me, which I thought was really unique. So uh, Nagit is a very, very important association, not just for judiciary interpreters, but just interpreting in general. And I think that's a reason why it's important that interpreters um, really support uh, an association like Nagit. Uh, although most people will join an association with the thought, well, why should I join? What can that associ- association do for me? Yeah. And I think NAJIT has an obligation to provide those services because we do want it to to offer uh, services and, and, and expertise, which I think we do. But I think that all of us that are professional interpreters do have an obligation to support the associations because in turn, we're really supporting our own profession.
2: Right. And you, know, you were talking about a point that I wanted to make sure we talk about it, and that is uh, the famous YIIFM, right? What is it, it for me mm-hmm. to interpret? I mean, what do I gain? What, you know, what do I get out of this? And uh, when I go around the country talking about interpretation, I do think, and maybe you agree with me, that people don't understand or don't seem to understand that belonging to nature is not something that you give. It's actually immediately something that you get. I tell them you get a lot more than one hundred and five or one hundred and ten dollars. How much is the membership right now?
3: If you're an active member, and, mm-hmm. and for us, an active member means that you actually uh, earn some some amount of money interpreting or translating. Uh, it's one hundred and five dollars for twelve months.
2: Right. So you know, there's less than ten dollars a month, which people spend more than that on coffee, and I tell them just for that investment you get a lot more out of it. So you already mentioned some of the things. You you it gives you some standing. It's mm-hmm. no longer say me, Johnny the interpreter, we're saying the National Association has already written a, a paper on this. And we have the backup of all these people. I remember you said in one of the conferences we do have a lot of people that have tremendous amount of knowledge and degrees and You mentioned something about having, that happens to me too, is that's having this PhD envy, right? Yes. Yes. Because we have so-and-so doctor, so-and-so, and and doctor, so-and-so, and and it turns out everybody's a doctor and we're not even a hospital. Yes. (laughs) But because people really uh, that are in the business and know about the business are there, so that gives you a lot of standing. You're not standing alone as an interpreter saying, I say this, we're saying, all of my colleagues, these prominent people, are saying the same thing. So, but what else? Tell us a little bit about what NAJIT does that interprets would be, you know, would benefit from by just belonging to NAJIT, other than what we already said.
3: Well, I think just to add a, a couple of things to that, you know, one of the things that I have the, the the privilege of doing, and you know, when I was the chair, and now when I'm the executive director as well. Um, is I have an ability, uh, NADJIT is invited to speak at different events. For example, at the end of this month, there's a continuing legal education summit that's being held in Georgia where NADJIT is headquartered in Atlanta. And NADJIT has been uh, invited to speak on a panel, uh, which I'll be the representative of NADJIT. And that's a panel on uh, technology, uh, how technology you know, will impact uh, the work of interpreters. And I think it's so crucial that when you have a room full of attorneys and judges and court administrators that are going to be drafting the policy of how technology is used, that the voice of the interpreter, the practitioner's voice is actually represented. And so I think one of the fundamental things that we do is we insert ourselves in these conversations. We insert ourselves in conversations that we think impact the profession. And because Najat has the standing, the, the recognition uh, of of who we've been for many many years, it's uh, it, it not only not only do we speak at those events, but we also are invited to those events. And I know that the current board of Najit, with the uh, the great leadership of the the new chair, uh, Amy Benavides, uh, you know one of the main you know uh, I would say emphasis going forward is to get ourselves involved more in those types of organizations. To, that aren 't necessarily interpreter associations, but that impact the work of interpreters, so that the interpreter 's voice can be heard as these policies are being uh, are being written because as you know a lot of times policies are written in a vacuum without oh, yeah. the input of the people that they ultimately you know are going to affect, so I think that's one yeah fundamental thing that, that's important. And that's one of the ways that membership dues and, and the membership in NAGIT supports the association in a way that's going to give back, you know, to the practitioner. And of course, I mean, there's there's a lot of other, uh, you know, benefits. NAJIT has uh, just last year cr- uh, kicked off, inaugurated something called the NAJIT Academy, where we will be putting together webinars uh, on different things. We've done a, we, our inaugural webinar was on uh, you know, more of a, on the business of interpreting and we will be, we'll be, you know, putting out a series of different webinars. Some of them are going to be skills, skill building specific, but a lot of them are going to be things that interpreters need to have that maybe they don't think about in terms of, you know, business planning, taxes, retirement, uh, yeah, but exactly. also, but also uh, obviously terminology and all the things that interpreters also need. And, and as a member those, those webinars will either be free or at a discount in comparison to uh, you know, a person that's not a member. We have an, all of our active members appear in our on our uh, member directory. Our member directory is accessed somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 times a month. And so when you talk about $105 to join, all yeah. it takes is one interpreter assignment from that to more than pay for itself. Yeah, and that's if you discount all of these other intrinsic values that that brings you know to the profession that are not necessarily something that you can quantify in a in a dollar amount so i i don't want to take much time believe me i i think you and i feel the same way we could sit here and 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 sing the praises of Najit for for you know for hours so right
2: right uh, but but i really think it's important for people to know people ask me do you have to be certified to be a Najit member no,
3: we don't. And no, I mean, absolutely not. That's another thing that I find so neat about this particular association is we talked about the luminaries. We've talked about the professors. We've talked about the doctors. We've talked about the writers. But what's cool is we also have student membership. If somebody is a student of interpreting, I don't mean just a math student or a, a literature student, but if you're if you're studying at a degree program at a university or, or, or junior college to become... An interpreter or translator, you know, Nadget will take you will, will will take you in, and they give you great great exposure at a much reduced rate. So, what's really neat about our main conference, which we have once a year, and this upcoming one will be in Nashville, uh, May seventeenth through the nineteenth of twenty nineteen, is that in that conference, in one room, you just learned about interpreting a month ago and is really no has no clue, like we all did at some point in our lives. And then you have in the same room someone who has literally written the book on mm-hmm. judiciary interpreting. And 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 the amount of camaraderie and the networking and the support and the friendships that you build uh, are really invaluable as you you know go from like you and I did. I was thinking, you know, when I came to Najin, I was, you know, just a fledgling, just gotten certified, and you know, now 14 years later, uh, you know, here we are. I think that that's something that's really needed. And one of the things that I really appreciate about Naget is I, I, it, you know, it, it, it welcomed me in when really I was quote unquote, you know, a nobody in the in the field. But I think that I was able to become better at my profession and also become a better advocate for the profession because of Naget. I will never forget when I first became certified, complaining to my administrative office of the courts in Tennessee that judges were circumventing the Supreme Court rule that said that they had to appoint certified interpreters. Mm-hmm. And they were still using the bilingual person from, you know, across the street or the Spanish teacher. And when I called the AOC and I said, this is Rob Cruz, I'm a certified interpreter in Tennessee, and here's what's going on. They told me, well, you know, Rob Cruz, the uh, the judge rules the roost. That was the exact quote. Mm-hmm. The judge rules the roost. So there's not really much that we can do. We really don't have any teeth to enforce these Supreme Court rules. Um, interestingly enough, when I became involved with NAGET, one of my first involvements was I joined the advocacy committee of NAGIT. and I one of the initiatives around the country because that problem wasn't only inherent to Tennessee; it was inherent all over the country. Was how do we how do we put the weight of NAGIT to try to fix this problem? Because as you know, I was saying we pushed so hard and so long for certification; we got it. And judges were not requiring it, which frustrates the person that went through all of the hoops to get there. And here's an example of exactly why nagit is important, because when I was able to call the same administrative office of the court, speak to the same coordinator, and now I was calling as a person from the, NA- the National Association's Advocacy Committee, and I'd like, to, I'd like to be able to send you this letter from the National Association of why it's crucial that certifi- certified interpreters take precedence. They listened. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, 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 but again, it's because it wasn't Rob Cruz, the interpreter who's certified, who wants them to follow the rules so that he can make more money. Yeah. It was actually the national association saying, this is the best thing, because if you don't do this, the certified interpreters are going to find something else to do. And you've spent all this time and all this money with all certification schemes and and you 're not going to have any certified interpreters when you need them because they can 't find any work, and so that 's just one example of how you know important an association like Nadget is
2: yeah, and I agree with you, and I think that all of us that have been in this business have had that frustration of trying to go as an individual and say and talk to judges and and uh, public defenders and and I remember when i first uh, when we had a, a new public defender and uh, uh, he decided that he was no longer going to hire interpreters because uh, he had bilingual staff, and they, that means that he doesn't need any interpreters. And I went and talked to a judge about it, and the judge says, well, we can have a meeting with him. And he was very mad because he says, you're not going to tell me when you run for office and you win my position, then you, you can modify the policy again. But then a few months later, when... There was the same presentation that I would have done for him in person, but it was the uh, statewide training for administrators and judges. Then all of a sudden we had a the floor, and all of a sudden everybody listened because mm-hmm. we had access, and NADJ definitely gives us an access that we otherwise don't get. Exactly. Uh, so I think it's important, and I, I keep on telling our colleagues, if you want to be treated as as a professional and get paid better than you do because we all would like to see that happen. Uh, We need to have a strong association that can be our voice because individually, you're absolutely right. I mean, if I just go to the courts and say, can you pay me more? They're going to say no because Johnny does it for less, Mm -hmm. you know, or Billy does it for less or whatever. So uh, I think it is important to keep on uh, pushing uh, our membership. And I, you know, I'm I'm very glad to hear that you guys are going to be, doing more webinars and please count us in if we can in any way uh participate and and offer one of our webinars to you guys we'll be happy to um uh, at least we'll chip in that way sure and sure. and uh, also you know with our invitations every time we do a seminar we always invite people to to become members of nagit I actually tell them all if you go to nagit to the nagit convention you find me on Saturday, we'll take you salsa dancing too. And that's included <laughs> in the price of the conference. Right? Because yes. we, we, I don't know, but we've been doing this for years now. And I think that uh, it's it's becoming a part of the tradition of going to Naja to go dancing at least one of the nights.
3: It is, absolutely. I completely agree. It's one of the things that a lot of people look forward to. And now for the last couple of years that we have been organizing the conference we've actually done uh, a Zumba mm-hmm. uh, in the morning a Zumba yes. class and that's now taken off and people are you know we You're had over- probably, know. yeah, exactly so uh, it's yes it's a fun thing and, and it's not it's not all work uh, that's another great thing about NAGIT is uh, we, we have a lot of fun members and we have a lot of camaraderie and like I said everybody's so welcoming and inviting and that's one of the things that I really enjoy I've been to other conferences for big associations where, I, where it's very easy to feel like an outsider. Yep. Uh, and I think with Najat, it's, it doesn't feel that way at all. And I'm so thrilled with this new board of directors. Uh, the last board of directors did a great job. Uh, they, you know, many of them turned, some of them turned out, some of them uh, had to move on to, to different things, but we, we have a, a new board that was uh, s- seated in uh, June and they have a tremendous amount of energy. And I, I think it's going to be a fantastic year.
2: Both. I'm, I'm sure it will be. And uh... I am. uh, If you could please repeat when the dates for the NAGIT Convention uh, Conference are, because we want everybody to go. And as you know, we are going to sponsor again, as we do every year, uh, a person to become a member of NAJIT and hopefully attend a conference this year. So please tell us the dates again. I know it's in Nashville and it's going to be a big party, right?
3: Yes, it's, 40 years. it's actually NADJ's 40th uh, annual conference, and so we're, it is. It is a big deal. It's mm-hmm. going to be at the uh, Gaylord Opryland, which is its own self-contained city. If someone does not wish to leave the property, they can. They never have to leave the property, but it's also about ten, you know, maybe a ten-minute, uh, fifteen-minute cab ride from downtown Nashville for anybody who wants to do the. Uh, you know the Wild Horse Saloon and Tootsie's and all the things that Naj- that uh, Nashville is is famous for. That's going to be very close, and that'll be May seventeenth, which will be our pre conference. That's a Friday, and then the main conference will be the eighteenth and nineteenth uh, of May of twenty nineteen. And so we hope we hope to have a a huge turnout. Uh, and like I said, it is our fortieth anniversary. So uh, I think on our website at uh, nagit, najit n a j i t dot O-R-G, I think our conference page, our Save the Date pages are up. Uh our call for proposals, as a matter of fact, uh went out just today uh as we oh. speak. Uh and so uh, I think people can go online and they can start uh you know seeing uh where it's gonna be and, and even if there's folks out there listening that would like to participate in, in by by presenting at Naget, uh they'll be able to do that <laughs> too by submitting a proposal.
2: Okay, well yeah, and, and do that and take it from me because I've uh, participated as a presenter. Uh, many times and if you don't join in and you don't send your paperwork uh, on time you might not even be considered so absolutely uh, make sure that uh, you go to the website and if the call for papers is out start thinking about what you're going to submit
3: exactly exactly
2: all right well Rob I don't know if you have anything else to share with us I really appreciate your time I know that uh, I know it's a cliche but I know you are busy <laughs> so uh if uh, if you have anything else to share with us please do so and uh again thank you very much for uh, sharing uh, your time with us and say please say hi to all the members of the board and your wife for running such a great organization and we'll see you if nothing else May of next year.
3: Exactly Augustine I just want to thank you for the invitation and, and thank you for being such a good personal friend uh and and also for all that you give back to the to the profession. Uh, you know you are considered a luminary uh, by many, many people, myself included, uh, but you are very selfless uh, in 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 what you give for the profession, not just to Nadget but for the profession in general and anybody that's that 's coming up in the profession, you always are willing and, and able to give them a, a hand up and uh, that 's one of the reasons like I told you uh, before we got started that uh, there 's very few things you could ask me to do that i wouldn 't do because I have that much uh, admiration, respect, and fondness for you as a friend and a colleague and uh anytime you need me you can count on me and uh thank you for being such a great friend of nagit and i certainly will extend uh, all of your uh wondrous offers including uh potential for a webinar uh Absolutely. to the board and the training and education committee and i'm sure that even if we don't see each other before may i'm sure that we'll be in touch
2: all right okay well thanks a lot rob
3: thanks i
2: okay bye-bye
3: take care bye-bye